I think it also helps you to be an authentic leader if you can share how you feel. I truly believe the world would be a better place if we had more diverse people at the tables in places where the decisions are being made. We want to have people that grows and growth doesn't come without mistakes. You have to try things to learn, but you also have to feel safe to do that. It's being you because then you'll do your absolute best and from within that authenticity then you can make the biggest difference. The biggest difference. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for listening to a new episode of Refreshing Retail, a podcast from Al Delez about trends in food and retail. Behind all the local brands worldwide, there are so many beautiful people working who all have inspiring stories to tell. We're proud to bring those stories on to you because Al Delez is at the heart of our society and therefore finds it important to be a reflection of that society. This time, it'll be an all-female episode and we'll talk about leadership, mental well-being, diversity, equity and inclusion. I'm Emily Zipson, your host and moderator, and this is Refreshing Retail from Al Delez. My co-host for today is Natalia Wallenberg, CHRO at Al Delez. Nice to have you here, Natalia. Welcome. Thank you, Emily. Pleasure to be here and happy to join you and Margaret for this podcast. Thank you. Now, Natalia, you've been working at Al Delez since January 2022 as CHRO. How do you like it so far? I love it so far. Uh, it's been a year, full year of new things to me. I've been in HR all my career because I love that. I love working with people. But it's my first time working in food retail and I love it. I feel like I belong here because we are contributing to the future of many generations. Great to hear that. Beautiful. Now, for this episode, you invited Margaret Frustaden, the CEO of Bull.com, also a brand of Al Delez. Welcome, Margaret. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great that you're here. When did you actually first meet Natalia and what do you remember of that meeting? Well, I think we probably first met a couple of times online in one of our many Teams meetings. But then after that, Natalia did a great job of going around to all of the different brands and really introducing herself to the company, but also to the people. And what I most remember is that Natalia actually took the time to really talk to me as a person and really understand who I was and what my drivers were before we even started talking about the business. So that was really something that stayed with me. Oh, great. Is that something that doesn't happen too often in your experience? Not so often. I think I think continuously we're understanding that the, the, the person is just as important as the business and that those two things are, of course, inextricably intertwined. So it does happen more, but you would be surprised how many meetings start with just getting straight down to business. Right. Now, Natalia, what can you say business-wise about Margaret that nobody knows? It's really a hard question to answer because I think people know a lot about Margaret. And one of the reasons is that because I think, Margaret, you show up as you are. And one of the reasons we had a conversation in our first meeting about you is also because you're open to it and you bring your whole self to work. Uh, but what I would say about Margaret that I think some people know, but what inspires me is that I think Margaret is a great learner. If I think about her taking on a CEO role a year ago and all the things that have happened since then, we announced that we would like to do an IPO. Later on, we stopped the IPO. The market have changed. And Margaret has been in this role for 14 months now. And all the things that have been happening and you've been taking that on board, bringing your teams with you, thinking what does it mean for the company? And that's only in this short period of time. So uh, when I think about Margaret, I just think about what a great learner you are and how you embrace new things and add them to your experience. Thank you, Natalia. 
Now, Margaret, in a moment, we'll talk extensively about your work for Bull.com and leadership. But first, let's get to know you a little bit better. People who are close to you say that you always put people first. You have a warm personality, you're good at organising, and they say you're a role model for many people. And also, you enjoy doing things alone, you radiate calmness, and with that, you give others the space to shine. Wow. Beautiful values and compliments. What do you recognise of this in yourself? Yes, they're very beautiful values and compliments. <laughs> I hope I live up to all of them uh, every day. I certainly recognise them. I think that comes back to also what Natalia said. I, I try to be myself and my full self every day. And uh, I think what you can say is you always get the same Margaret, no matter when you turn up, in what meeting, in what context. And I'm very good at organising. That's very true. You should see my kitchen cupboards. They're uh, they're quite uh, quite organised. <laughs> Now, um, you grew up in rural Australia, where your parents owned a farm. And as a little girl, you got up at half past six in the morning to help them. How do you actually look back at that time? And in what way did it shape you? It's definitely shaped me. I think that uh, my my work ethic and uh, my ability to just make the best of whatever is in front of me definitely comes from those days. We definitely had to make the most of any circumstance. And on a farm, you're really, you're dependent on on the weather, on nature, on so many things that are out, out of your own control. And I think that that's part of that calmness that, that people talk about is just understanding that we aren't in control of everything that happens to us. And we just need to go with the waves and go with the flow of what happens and do the best we possibly can. Right. And what did you actually do in the morning? Yeah, so actually it was half past five that we uh, we got oh. up um, because we were on a large dairy farm and on a dairy farm you need to milk the cows twice a day. They they don't wait. There are no holidays. There are no weekends. So from a very young age, I got up uh, very early and uh, my father would first go and get the cows. He'd, he'd wake me up and then I had to be ready uh, in the dairy by the time that they uh, they got there. And then I would help milk the cows before I came back uh, into the house to get ready to go to school. And what kind of ambitions did you have back then? Did oh, you already I'd... dream of, of leading a company or did you have completely different plans? No, I think I knew from a very young age that although the farm is a beautiful place to grow up and you bring so many beautiful aspects to a life, it, it certainly wasn't the place that I felt I was at my best. So I think when you realise that you don't quite fit into your own environment, it gives you a great drive to see what else you can do with your life. So it gave me the the diligence, the work ethic, the pragmatism, but I certainly knew that I wanted to go on and do other things. And what part did your parents play in that process? My mother was extremely supportive. So uh, my father was much more traditional and a farmer who uh, was also an immigrant, had uh, left the Netherlands actually to to come to Australia after the Second World War. So I think it was my mother who really encouraged me the most to really get the most out of myself. And she actually passed away a couple of years ago. And at her eulogy, I actually said she told me to aim for the moon, even though she knew she could never go there herself. Mm. And I think that that is really what was special about my mother. She knew that she couldn't take me there, but she certainly encouraged me to go there myself. Wow. Now, ladies, it seems you have some things in common, including working uh, in your parents' company and working in different countries. In what way does that bring you two together, Natalia? Well, I think uh, having similar experiences does bring you together because you understand what you're going through. Sure. Moving countries, moving, changing cultures, doing it with your family, making sure you start a new job well, as well as your family settles at the same time and you integrate 
that 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 is a nice challenge to go through personally and professionally. And uh, once you meet people who've done the same, I think you can connect and understand those experiences. And I think it's also when you've changed countries a lot, when you've been through different industries, you support each other. I right. think that's, you know, we talk about leadership, we talk about women in leadership. I think it's such an important part where women do support each other because we share a lot of similar experiences. Sometimes we don't even recognize that, but once we share, we understand that we can provide each other a hand and a smile and a joke and, uh, and, and give support that we deserve. Right, right. Now, Margaret, you've worked for many companies like uh, Nike, Hero, all over Europe. Do you feel home in the Netherlands? Absolutely. I, I mean, I've been here for more than 20 years, so one would hope that you do at a certain point feel at home. And my kids are certainly Dutch and my husband as well. So I feel very lucky and blessed to have two homes, that I have a home in Australia and a home in the Netherlands as well. So I can both love Dutch cheese and still eat Vegemite without a problem. <laughs> Let's talk about your work for Bold.com. You've been working there now for eight years. I can imagine the last two years were tough years, as for everybody. Uh, the market has changed. We've all got to deal with the effects of inflation due to the war in Europe and so on. So how do you keep your team motivated in this environment? Yeah, that's a really good question because, of course, the current circumstances are asking very different things from us than, than two years ago uh, during COVID. I think it really for us is at a couple of different levels. First of all, we really believe in being purpose-driven. So really using business as a source of good. And what I mean there is that we really try to take the purpose of Bold.com, which is that we want to continuously develop our platform for the good of the world. And we really take that and say, okay, how can we in any circumstances use that greater purpose to do good in the world? I think the second thing is really around people. And we're all people. We're all going through difficult times at the moment. So how do you really connect as a team and make sure you're strong as individuals so that you can help the rest of the company. And so managing those two things, both the higher goal and the individual is very important in these times. Absolutely. What do you actually do, Margaret, when it comes to leading yourself, your leadership skills? Do you actually have time? Well, to I, yeah, well, I think all leadership begins with leading yourself. I think if you don't turn up in the world in a way that you are respectful towards yourself, then you can't expect other people to be uh, to show the same respect towards you. So it's very, very important to look after yourself, and that's both in your mental well-being and also in your physical well-being. And only then can you turn up in a way that will be most beneficial to everybody around you. So I do spend a lot of time actually working on my own personal leadership. I actually make little lists for myself of things that I think that I could do better or things that I think that I do well but take me a lot of energy and that I think if I could use less energy there, then I would be able to put that back into the things that I love. Could you share something on the list? Oh, sure. I mean, some of some things are really little. So, for example, particularly when we were going through the IPO preparations for the potential sub-IPO, uh, I did uh, quite a bit of training around how I would speak to investors, right? That's something that I hadn't done before. And that was really, really beneficial, not only for uh, talking to investors, but also using that, of course, internally and externally now. Right. But another example is uh, storytelling. So I think that storytelling is a very important part of leadership. So I'm now working on Oh, my storytelling skills. Oh, lovely, lovely. How about you, Natalia? Well, I think as a leader, you do also a lot of reflection. And uh, whether you think about how your day went or how a certain conversation went, but what I also rely on a lot is uh, feedback. 
And I think the, the more senior you become, the less feedback you tend to get. So you have to really be proactive about asking people for feedback. But I also think it's the whole self that needs to feel well. So uh, exercise, yoga, sleep is crucial, making sure I, I get enough hours of sleep. Yeah, but I think it's also helps us show up differently with our teams, with our organization and bring the right energy to what we do. I also want to say, Margaret, I've seen you also seeking feedback. And from first conversations we had, that's something that showed up really nicely, that you were looking to learn and hear from others about what you do great, what are the things you could add. And um, uh, I think that's a very nice uh, leadership tool. To do you think that's something more feminine to ask feedback from your colleagues? Oh, not necessarily. Although I do think that women and girls need some more encouragement to be confident. So I think that feedback is something that all good leaders ask for, no matter what your profile. But feedback shouldn't be about looking for compliments, right? There's a difference between asking for feedback and needing reassurance. And I think where we have the most work to do on gender equality is really bringing up girls and women in business with the confidence that they are, have the right to be at the table and to be just as ambitious and driven and, and powerful as anybody else in the room. But I would see that as slightly different to feedback. I think all good, uh, all good leaders ask for feedback. Right. And, and to what extent do you still have to contend with prejudice or stigma? Oh, I think it's getting a lot better. I don't know how you experience it, Natalia, but it's definitely a whole different ball game from 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, as far as I'm concerned. But we also shouldn't expect that prejudices that have been ingrained in society for, let's say, thousands of years yes. will suddenly be gone. Uh, that's not something you can take out of the system. So I think it's more a matter of saying, okay, how do we continuously work on getting rid of all of those small micro prejudices, you would almost call them, so that it's really an even playing field. And that's not about gender. That's about all different types of uh, diversity. I completely agree. I think it has gotten much better. I personally always thought that I can also play a role by being a role model. Often I'm asked, well, how do you combine family and career? And from very early age, that was my purpose. I wanted to show all women that it can be done. It isn't easy. And I no. also what I realize is more and more men would like to do that, too. I see many, many men who like to be great fathers, great husbands. And have great, a good career. And exactly. have a great career. Exactly. And maybe we should stop saying female leadership, but just leadership. Absolutely. I completely agree. Absolutely. I mean, what are we trying to say here? And I, I think it came from a good place, just like a lot of other things where if there aren't any role models, then then suddenly you need to call out the fact that, oh, it's a female and therefore it's female leadership. I think as we more and more get to a place where we have critical mass, then uh, we need to talk about great leadership instead of quote, talking about female leadership. But it has played a role because if we don't point out that there aren't enough female role models, we also are not accepting the facts that we still have some work to do. Right. Uh, well, just like Natalia said, Margaret, I also understand that diversity, equity and inclusion is extremely important to you. In what way and why is this such a big topic? Hmm, I think it's a, such a big topic because the world needs it. But if I bring it back to myself, I grew up on a farm, as we, as we just talked about, uh, in a very, very traditional rural situation where, it, where I didn't experience that girls were treated in the same way as boys. I also grew up poor which means that I had a lot of obstacles to overcome to be able to go to university. I had to get a scholarship, otherwise my parents would not be able to afford to, for me to go to university. And I think we truly underestimate, or at least people who have come from privileged backgrounds, 
can, through no fault of their own, really underestimate the challenges that that brings for people who don't grow up in a place where they have role models of people who go through to university and know what to do when they go to a restaurant or know how to speak. And so that is another type of diversity that is very, very important to me. And I think the third is internationalism, because until you've had to work in your second language, until you've had to struggle with what you're going to say and how you're going to say it until you've had to sit at a lunch table and have no idea what you were supposed to eat because there are all kinds of strange things like chocolate sprinkles in the Netherlands for lunch, which I still don't get. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you like it? <laughs> uh, I don't. Well, I have to admit, that's one of the things I haven't managed to uh, bring into my diet. Same. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's all of those experiences that one has that bring such enormous diversity to a table. And I think those, those three are my particular spikes, I would say, around diversity. But um, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it matters which, which spikes you have. It's all about saying, how can you enable all types of people to be able to be their best? And I truly believe the world would be a better place if we had more diverse people at the tables in places where the decisions are being made. I believe there would be less war. I believe there would be more equity in the world. Uh, so that's a pretty big theme for me. Yeah, I agree completely. I also understand because I read that the other day that you recently dressed up as a priest. Um, maybe you could give us some more context. Well, the dressing up as a priest is only one of the many crazy things that I, that I do. Um, I think the point is really about um, being very accessible as a leader and, and giving people that sense of you're just another human being who is, is there to help the team uh, function in the best way possible. I've dressed up as a priest to show that uh, making mistakes is a good thing when we experiment and something doesn't work, that failure is good uh, because failure is what leads to making things better. But I've also uh, made uh, bowl.com coloured marshmallows, which left everybody's tongue blue for a whole day. Or I've had uh, teams um, you know, say, hey, if we achieve this goal, will you do somersaults on the trampoline at bowl.com, which I've also done, which I think was probably a health hazard if I look back at it now. <laughs> uh, but I do think it's about you know bringing yourself to the teams and having teams feel like that you're part of, of what they're doing and what they're achieving and that you're invested in them. But also with humour. Definitely. I think humour is really important because, uh, you know, we, we have big jobs. We do. We want to have a great purpose in the world. We want to mean something to the world. And that brings with it a, a great sense of responsibility and sometimes pretty stressful situations. So if you can't laugh your way out of it, then I think you're not going to survive uh, as long or be able to do as good a job as if you're able to uh, find the humour in things. And when you, when you dressed up as a priest, did team members after that came back with failures more easily? Yeah, it's really part of our culture. So we, we really try to have a culture of experimentation. You know, it's the old Edison tried a thousand times before the light bulb actually came to exist. If you don't try and fail, you just are not trying hard enough. Uh, so this was just one example of that. We actually do. We've also had uh, funerals for uh, for things that we've uh, created and decided, you know, they didn't actually work for the customer or the partner. We really try to make it part of our culture just to say, hey, guys, just try things. There's no risk too great. The, the worst thing that can happen is that you end up on a stage saying, hey, I had this great failure. Woohoo, good, good for me. It sounds really innovative, Natalia. It is. And that's how we learn again. Exactly. Right? You have to try things. You have to fail fast. You have to celebrate those failures to know you've tried something and it didn't work and you will try something different. 
And that's why also humor is so important because it allows you to laugh at yourself. So I do believe that this is also part of the culture in bold.com where you celebrate mistakes, where innovate, experiment. And that's also part of the culture we so care so much about in a whole haze because we want to have people that grows and growth doesn't come without mistakes. You have to try things to learn, but you also have to feel safe to do that. You should feel safe to make mistakes because that's how we learn. So I love those examples and I'd love to uh, maybe come visit you. You should definitely come happens. visit us. Yeah, I'll tell you when the next... When she dresses up for the next role. Yes. Um, Natalia, to what extent is diversity and inclusion an important pillar within Al Deleuze? It is crucial. Uh, we believe it's really important for our culture, for our people and what we do. We have wonderful ambition. We call it 100, 100, 100. We want to be 100% gender balanced at all levels of organization. And we're not there quite yet when we look at the senior leaders. We want to be 100% inclusive. And the only way we measure it is how our people feel. They tell us whether they feel included or not and whether they find our culture inclusive or not. And we also want to be 100% reflective of our communities, meaning that when you come to our stores, you see people that look like you, talk like you, feel like you, and you recognize your communities in the stores. And why is this important is because we believe that diverse teams, there's just so much better. They're much more fun to work in, but with the complexity of questions we're solving, we're just building better solutions, better answers, because we bring everybody's perspective into the question and into the game. So we have made a lot of progress on diversity, equity and inclusion, but we will have to do more because I think we're still not there and we have great things to build on, but we still would like to see at every level of organization, gender balance, lots of different nationalities and people with different abilities. So we come together from every possible angle to reflect our communities and the world we're in. And like Margaret said, I think that just will help us to see more humanity in the world. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you both so much for sharing your thoughts and giving our listeners an insight in what leadership means to you and your companies. It is time for our statements. Each episode, we share a few statements with our guests where they can either agree or disagree. And after each statement, we can go deeper into your answers. So, Margaret and Natalia, are you ready? Sure. Always. Let's go to the first statement. More female leaders will make companies more diverse and will stimulate a more inclusive team. Natalia. I would say yes and. Okay. More diverse leaders will do all of those things. So yes, gender balance, but also nationalities, abilities, introverts, extroverts, coming from different backgrounds. So yes, gender will be one aspect of that diversity, mm -hmm. but I'd love to see more just female leaders coming to the teams, but all kinds of diversity making them better. Margaret? Definitely plus one on Natalia. And what I would like to add, though, is that if you look at all different types of diversity, gender diversity affects 50% of the population. And within gender diversity, you encounter all of the other types of diversity. So you will get cultural diversity, neurodiversity, economic diversity. So if we are not first fixing the biggest group problem that we have, having enough women and positions of power and decision making, then by default, we are not getting all of the other types of diversity as well. And it's proven that women tend to have more commitment to other types of diversity as well, because they themselves have had to overcome 
the types of prejudices that they've experienced and that makes them more open and willing to open those doors for others, not just women, of course, also men who have had any other type of prejudice uh, experience. But that means that should we get to gender equity, we will actually help the path for all other types of diversity afterwards. Thank you for these broad answers. Well, it's a big topic, but we're going to move on to the second statement. It is easy to form a diverse and inclusive team with so many refugees worldwide. Margaret? Agree and disagree. <laughs> Natalia? I disagree and I'll explain my reasons in a moment. Okay, let's start, start off with you, Margaret. So I disagree because I think that that would truly underestimate the uh, challenges that refugees have in coming to a new country and establishing themselves. And I understand that there are some great organizations who are helping with that. But in the mainstream, getting from a refugee situation into um, you know a great position as they would have had in their own countries is a very, very difficult path. So I don't think it is the only way that we can do it. I agree because I think we should be trying our best to enable uh, refugees right. to to find those positions. But I think saying, hey, because they're there, it's already already solved for, I think is underestimating the problem. Natalia? I, I agree with Margaret. And uh, the only other thing I would add is that it's never easy to form a diverse and inclusive team. And that should not be underestimated. Often when people bring teams together from different backgrounds, what happens is they all try to make them fit in mm. and follow a certain pattern, a template, you know, quickly learn the language and integrate and become just like us. And that doesn't make a team diverse. So the leaders really should think about how to leverage what people bring from their experiences, their national backgrounds, ethnicity, and build a team, let the diversity flourish rather than try and fit in and make us all talk, feel, think the same. So I do think we have a huge responsibility looking after refugees and creating opportunities, which we do in many of our brands. We have beautiful stories of having refugees coming from Ukraine, working for us in Netherlands, in Romania, right. in Czech Republic. Thank you. And the third statement states, work is not the place to talk about how you feel. Disagree. Disagree. That's an easy one, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> Natalia. Look, I think you really have to bring your whole self to work and you cannot leave your feelings be behind the door. Uh, I think it also helps you to be an authentic leader if you can share how you feel. By the way, feelings are proxies for how much we care. And if something makes you angry, because you maybe think it's unfair. If something makes you sad, it's because maybe you think you could have taken a better care about the topic. And if something that makes you happy or proud should certainly be shared with your team. But I also think uh, we as humans have a lot that we take care of outside of work. And if we just build the wall, people will never get to know us. So as a mom, as a partner, as somebody who cares for the community, I'd like to bring that all to work with my colleagues because I think that's the only way they get to know me and I get to know them. So I certainly think work is the place to talk about how you feel. And it's certainly helpful to mental health as well. The more we learn about mental health and well-being, the more we understand that Talking about your feelings. And can incorporate it in the company. Yes. Margaret? Absolutely. I think any good leader brings their head, their heart and their guts to work because you need all three of those to make the best possible decisions. Um, and to suggest that we can leave your feelings at your door is also unrealistic because we're human beings. We're, we're imperfect creatures and we bring all of ourselves to work 
And we need to use that balance to make the best possible decisions. So far the statements, thank you for your views on these topics. Let's take a closer look now at diversity, equity and inclusion and female leadership. Oh no, I said it. Leadership. Now, Margaret, many companies find diversity, equity and inclusion very important, but don't know how to actually shape it. How did you handle that within Bowl.com? Yeah, so I think it's really important for diversity, equity and inclusion to consider both the head and the heart. So the head is about getting to the right data and showing people that we're not yet where we need to be, talking about the 100% uh, gender equity that Natalia was just speaking to. And it's important to track that and make sure that you're actually understanding where your baseline is, where you want to go to, and then taking very concrete actions to get there, but tracking them to see whether actually what you're doing is making a difference and then changing it if you're not seeing the results you'd like to have. The second part is indeed the heart because working in diverse teams is not always easy and Helping people understand how this brings better decision making, how this brings more fun, how this brings better business decisions uh, is really important, but helping them through that process as well. So, you know, really engaging a team and helping them to work through their differences is also a very important part of making sure that diversity, equity and inclusion is truly embedded in the organisation. I think you've already said it, but which aspect of leadership do you find most important? Oh, which aspect of leadership? It's such a broad topic. I think the only way I could answer that is to say, I think authentic leadership is the most important because there is not one aspect that makes a great leader and every leader will lead in a different way. It's just being you. It's being you because then you'll do your absolute best. You know, if you're trying to be somebody else, then you'll never do as good a job at being somebody else as being yourself. And from within that authentic authenticity, then you can make the biggest difference. Natalia? I completely agree. And I think that's authenticity allows you to be courageous. Personally, I have another favorite when it comes to great leaders. I think all great leaders are amazing listeners. Mm. And this is what helps uh, leaders learn, engage, connect and uh, listen first before making decisions. So I always encourage everybody and myself and I always ask myself a question. Have I listened enough? Did I understand that? So listening, courage, authenticity is, uh, I would say, two great ingredients. And would you say that female leaders are better listeners? I I don't know. I don't think so. I think uh, great leaders are better listeners and they can be men or women and uh, Mm. um, it it doesn't really matter. But uh, I do think those who listen well really are able to make great decisions and build deeper relationships which is also extremely important. Right. Well, you are female, both. How do female leaders differ from men? Oh, that's like saying how many, uh, how does every tree in the universe differ from one another, right? I mean, we're all individual people and we all differ from one another in so many different ways. Uh, It's not just gender, of course. But maybe feminine characteristics. I know it's a cliche maybe, but maybe I think... In our experiences, we probably have faced some bias. If, if I look back, you will probably find examples where you asked ourselves, is that what's happening to me because I'm a woman mm-hmm. or not, right? And you may be having a confident answer to that or not, but I do think that many women have faced a bias, uh, whether it's about being invited to the table or invited with their opinion or people assuming that family is more important than work and, and all of those examples... Uh, I don't know about you, Margaret. I know I had them in my past. Absolutely. So I think that's one difference. And I think the other difference is that because of all these expectations, 
we become a little bit less confident mm. and we you spoke about it needing a bit more encouragement you know i often see women would not apply for the role if they don't tick every single requirement on the role description because they miss one or one and a half and they say well i, I i'm not ready to apply for this role while it takes Sometimes the conversation say, look, you're so great. Every role you learn in, why don't you go for it? And after that, they do. Thank you. So, Natalia, what are the most important things you'd like to pass on to new colleagues who start at Al Deleuze? Well, I think it's our culture, our culture of care. We care so much about the colleagues we work with. We care hugely about the customers that come to our stores or order on bold.com. And we care hugely about the communities we're in. We do so much to support these communities, whether it's with charitable work, food donations, book donations. And so it, the culture of care is that what unites us across all 19 brands, all different histories, all different markets. I think that's what really brings us together. And I think that brings us back to the purpose that Margaret was talking about. When people join our company, they know why we're here. They know we do it with care. And that, I think, is the best onboarding one, one can have. Thank you. Let's move on to the last part of our talk, the future, and also future leaders. What are your tips for women with ambition in growing into a leader, Margaret? Believe in yourself. Outsource everything that you possibly can so that you can focus on the things that you love, both your work and at home, and ensure that you are bringing your full self to the table no matter what. I would add two things. These are beautiful. Take good care of yourself and support other women. Eleanor Roosevelt once said, there is a special place in hell for women who don't support other women. And I think sometimes you see that, that uh, you see a little bit of competitiveness, you see a little bit, well, if I got here and it was hard, you can do it too. Let's not do any of that. Let's support each other as we would support our families, our friends. And I think that's how we also help each other grow. Beautiful. Eleanor Roosevelt also said, do one thing every day that scares you. Mm, I love that one. That's a great one. So, Natalia, what is planned in uh, 2023 in terms of HR within Al Deleuze? Oh, thank you for this question. We're very excited. We just are in the process of refreshing our people strategy and we will be communicating that over the next few weeks. And I think it will be very, very exciting because it will be about our people, not about HR processes or management processes. It will be about our people. We'll be talking about pillars like everybody grows. It doesn't matter if you're growing in leadership or in your skills, but it's about constant learning that we all experience today. We'll be talking about teams collaborate. How do we collaborate within our teams, across our organization, across our brands? How do we learn from that collaboration? We'll be talking about culture that thrives, building on culture of inclusion and mental health and well-being. And we'll be talking about organizational agility. So how do we experiment? How do we make more mistakes so we can learn? And how do we quickly evolve and adjust to the constantly changing world around us? So I'm very excited. Yeah, I can feel the passion. <laughs> It'll be a great year. Hopefully. And, and Margaret, how do you actually see your future? Will you stay with bold.com until you retire? Or do you think that in the long run, another country beckons to move to? Oh, who knows what will happen. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, look, I'm only a year into the role and I'm far from retirement. I really love my work. I love the, uh, the enjoyment it brings me and the chance to make a difference. So I will be at, at bold.com for as long as I'm the right person to lead bold.com. And at, the mo and at any moment, 
Should that change, then I will welcome the new person who will then uh, lead it from there. I think the most important thing is that I make sure that I've got great succession in place so that it's a choice for me and for the company for me to be the right leader. Uh, and should that change to make sure I've got the right people in place to to take over from me. Um, sure. I'll probably end up somewhere else in the longer term in another country. I think I'd love to have another international experience again. But for right now, I'm very, very happy where I am. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming to the studio. Share your thoughts on leadership and diversity. And I wish you all the best for the future. Margaret Frostaden, CEO of Bold.com. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And of course, a big thank you to my co-host, Natalia Wallenberg, CHRO of Al Delez. And would you like to hear more inspiring retail stories and stay informed about the latest trends in food and retail? Then listen to the other episodes of Refreshing Retail, a podcast series by Al Delez. Listening and subscribing is free via your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening to our podcast and bye for now.